And a lot of times today we miss that. You know, it's, you know, marriage is to make me happy. And we forget that primarily it's to honor God and to please Him. And part of that pleasing Him is when children come, they will grow up to be godly individuals. They will come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. They will be involved in the church. They will be discovering their spiritual gifts so they can invest them in the kingdom's work. They will be sharing the good news with others. God commands that we seek to pass on our faith. Jesus loves our children, and He commands it as well. As He did for us, He died for them. He went to the cross so that their sins could be forgiven. He was raised so that they would know that they could have eternal life. He loves your children. And He commands us to bring them to Him. Most of you are familiar with the Great Commission. Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all I have commanded you. Guess what? That's for people around the world. That's for people in our houses too, in our homes. We carry out that great commission when we pass it on to our children, when we want to see them accept Jesus as Savior, be baptized, and learn to obey Him and what He tells us in His Word. He commands it. Jesus commands it. Another reason? Satan wants your children. Scripture says that the devil is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Satan wants your children and your grandchildren. He wants the children of this church. He wants the children of your neighborhood. He wants to twist and warp their lives, turn them into something that's not pleasing to God at all, something that eventually is going to cause them sadness and heartbreak and ultimately destroy them in hell. That's his goal, and he works at it every day. We need to realize that we're involved in a cosmic battle, and our children are caught up in it as well. We have to pass the faith on to our children because Satan's going to do all that he can to stop that. We need to pass it on because society will push your children to Satan and his ways rather than to God and the ways of God. How many movies TV programs, how many music videos, how many of those things do you see that encourages people to accept Jesus as Savior and then follow Him with a true allegiance? Tiny fraction of what's out there. Most is pushing us the other way. Teachers in the public school can't pass the faith on to children. They go off to college, they're college professors that sometimes want to push them the other direction, consciously want to push them the other direction. <laughs> Look at all that's there that's pushing them away from Christ. And then the sad thing is, it's being effective. It's happening. Book of Judges, a couple of verses of Scripture that are such a picture of what has happened in our land. Remember God had brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, great miracles, brought them through the wilderness, established them in the promised land. 
Then listen to this. After that whole generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. That's what's happening in our land right now. People don't know the Lord. They don't know what God has done for our nation. And so they're doing evil and they're worshiping other gods. I don't have to convince you of that. Look around. You know it. That just makes it all the more important that we are intentional about passing the faith onto the children that God brings into our lives in one way or another. Now, how are we going to go about doing that? How can we pass on a sincere faith? Well, first of all, we need to preach. We need to preach it. We need to preach it with words in our home, and we need to preach it with actions. We've got to preach it. We've got to, we've got to take it in our lives ourselves, in our own lives, and then we seek to pass it on because we've received it. And so we've got to speak it, and we've got to live it out. G. Campbell Morgan was a, a great Baptist preacher of another generation. He had four sons. All four of those sons were preachers. At a family reunion one time, one of them went up to one of the sons and said, which Morgan's the greatest preacher? And the son looked at his dad, kind of grinned at him, turned back and said, why, it's mother. With her words at home and with her actions and example, she was the greatest preacher. And that's why I say we need to preach it. All of us have got to be preachers. It's not just a professional ministry. It's the ministry of all of us believers around the world and at home, maybe especially at home, as we seek to show what it means to follow Jesus. And we set the right example, and we say the right words. We preach it. And then we've got to plan it. We've got to start planning the things of Christ, the things of the gospel early in people's lives. It's got to be there very early. Did you notice when Anita was reading the scripture from chapter 3 a few minutes ago? He said, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you have learned it, from his grandmother and his mother and from Paul, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise to salvation. How about that? From infancy. Eunice and Lois wanted to make sure that Timothy heard the things of the faith. You make sure there's Christian music in your home when you've got an infant so they can grow up hearing Christian music. Do you, you know, you can get DVDs, videos, CDs, all these things today that, that little children will watch. One in five, two years old. Have a Christian theme to them, a Christian message to them. You bring your children to church when they're little. You know, when, after my mother died, and uh, we were having to clean out the house, I ran across something that really is one of my treasures today. It was a little certificate. Well, it was a well, little. It was a pretty good-sized certificate where she had enrolled me in the nursery at the church that she attended at the time when I was six weeks old. 
And I thought, you know, thought, thank you, Mom. You know, from the time I was an infant, she had me in church. She helped teach it at home as well. So you plant it. You plant it. You plant it as they grow older. You just make it a, a part of home life. Oh, there's a passage of Scripture in Deuteronomy that spells this out. Moses said, These commandments I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. You know, conversation about Jesus, conversation about God ought to just be a natural part of life. If we're in the car, if we're, you know, eating supper, whatever. You know, we, we help to plant it in our children's lives as we talk about it and live it day by day. And then you've got to protect your children. You've got to build a fence around them today. My goodness, the things you have to watch out for today. You know, we live in a toxic society. People worry about what's in their food, what's in their water. Well, yeah, that matters a little bit, but gosh, haven't we become toxic in what we allow in the media, what we allow in print, what goes for music, the lyrics. Toxic. Damning. We've got to protect our children. We've got to keep some of those things away from them. And you know what? You've got to stay out of them yourself. Too many of us who are believers want to flirt with some of these evil things that come along. We want to go to the wrong sites on the internet. We want to watch the wrong programs on TV. Kids are watching. You better pay attention. They're watching. They're listening. You need to protect them. And one of the ways you protect them is through the example you set. We had our two-and-a-half-year-old grandson Thursday night. Uh, Friday morning, he woke up at 6.11 and was ready to go. And... Uh, so I got up and was going to take care of him a while so Joy could sleep a while longer. And he, you know, and after we, you know, started watching one of those Christian videos he likes, and you know, we we were uh, he wanted some juice, so I got him some juice, and he had it for a couple of minutes. He said, "Pop, pop, this is leaking." And I looked, and yeah, here was a puddle of juice on the seat cushion on the sofa. So I got the thing, opened it up, tried to figure out what was the matter with that little device in there that made meters out the drink and got to put it all back together and thought I had it fixed, gave it back to him. And, you know, he got up and was playing around and looked, and then here's a spot on the carpet. So I clean up the carpet, you know, put that thing away and, you know, said, said we won't use this for now. So in a little bit, we went downstairs, and I just got him another, you know, sippy cup, put the juice in it, gave it to him. He started walking around playing with it, looked over there, lo and behold, it had leaked on the other carpet. I picked the thing up and went over and I said, I can't believe they don't build these stupid things so they won't leak and put them on the table. <laughs> I went to shave. Joy said a little bit. He came in, got a drink out of the cup, slammed it on the table and said, stupid cup. <laughs> now, don't follow my example. It's the wrong example. <laughs> But from the time they're little, they're watching us. They're learning from us. We protect them by what we do. We also help prepare them by what we do and by what we refuse to do. Because you see, it's not enough just to protect them. We've got to get them to the place where they can protect themselves. 
because sooner or later they're going to get out and be out from under our care. And maybe we need to talk with them when something questionable comes up on TV. Said, where did they get that value system? How would you act in that kind of situation? You begin to coach them along into being able to make the decisions for themselves. You have to protect them, but you also have to give them some freedom to get out and experiment so that they can know when they hit a bad situation if they're going to act in the right way. It's not an easy job being a parent today, but we've got to protect, and we've got to prepare, and we've got to pray. And I think if you're a parent or a grandparent, you probably pray. <laughs> Sometimes because you're driven to it. And sometimes just because of the deep, deep love and that desire to pass on a sincere faith. We've got to pray about it. One of the things that we can do is model our prayers kind of around what it said about Jesus when he was growing up. Remember the scripture says Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and in favor with man. And so we pray for our children that they will grow physically and develop right physically and be strong and healthy physically. And we pray for our children that they will grow up mentally and gain the, the knowledge and the wisdom they need to be able to be successful in life. And we pray for our children that they will grow socially and know how to get along with others. And we also need to make sure we pray for them spiritually, that spiritually they will come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior and accept Him as their Lord and follow Him and be productive in His kingdom, fruitful in His kingdom. We've got to pray that they'll come to know Jesus. We've got to pray that God will protect them from the evil one. We've got to pray that God will open their eyes and give them spiritual insight. We've got to pray that God will be working in their lives, drawing them to Himself, convicting them of sin, leading them to repentance. We've got to pray that we can give a good witness and pray for others that they can give a good witness as well. So that eventually that child accepts Jesus as Savior. And then when they do, then we can pray some of the other things Scripture gives us. Colossians chapter 1, verses 9, 10. We've got a good thing we could pray for our children. Paul says, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with knowledge of His will. We need to pray that our children will have a knowledge of God's will for them through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So if they'll have this spiritual wisdom that they can't get through the world, it's got to come through the Word of God. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord. We pray that our children will live lives worthy of the Lord. Because God said a long time ago, He wants godly offspring and that they may please Him in every way. Not out to please self, out to please God first and foremost. Growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with power, bearing fruit, giving thanks. We pray those things for our children. One of the things when we dedicate a new baby. We give the parent the power of a praying parent. It's by Stormy or Martian. If you want a good guide for praying for your children, your grandchildren, the children you lead at church, the children that are you know in your extended family, I can't. I don't know of a better resource. Get it at, at Lifeway and probably some other bookstores as well.
But uh, just it gives such a good guide for praying for your grandchildren. So we pray. Now, we are supposed to be seeking to pass on a sincere faith. Timothy got it from his grandmother and his mother. In Timothy's case, his dad wasn't a factor in that. For in Acts, we read that his dad was a Greek. You know, he had, at least at that point, come to know the Lord himself yet. And I share that to remind us there's no perfect families. Man, all of us have got those flaws in us. We don't have to be perfect. Our family doesn't have to be perfect to pass out a sincere faith. And you've got to remember something else. Every person's an individual. Sometimes the children take it, and sometimes they don't. But we're faithful, and we keep on praying. We keep on waiting for God to work, and we keep on striving to the best of our ability to pass on that sincere faith that we know has made a difference to us, and we want to see make a difference in the lives of others. Would you stop and think for a moment? How can you pass on your sincere faith? The list is still there. Preach, plant, protect, repair, pray. What one or two of them will you recommit yourself today to doing? Now, maybe overall you've done all of them or want to do all of them, but you know, what one or two do you need to pick today and say, for the next few weeks, I'm going to focus on this so that I can help pass on my faith. Maybe you'd come and just rededicate yourself to striving to pass on your faith. Maybe you've come to the place where you realize that your faith isn't a sincere faith. That you're not thinking about how you can pass on the faith because the faith doesn't mean much to you. And maybe you've come into a race where you've come under the conviction that you need to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior so that you can be forgiven and so that you will have a faith that will not only bless you now and for eternity, but will be worth passing on. Or maybe God's leading you today to put your membership here in this church and help us all work together to pass on the faith. Your invitation hymn this morning is number 300 in 53, excuse me, 653.